Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to another episode of the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Pascalia. Thanks for hanging out with me on this episode. The Bills are victorious in their wild card round. They get to the divisional round yet again. This time they beat the Steelers 31 to 17. It was a game that looked like it was about to go a certain way into blowout city, much like uh, it did a couple of years ago here in Buffalo when the Bills took on the Patriots, but some things throughout the game kind of undid that, and we'll get into that, you know, namely the injuries, which I'm sure is top of mind for a lot of people and what they're going to do at, at some of these spots and how it might uh, impact next weekend's game. But, of course, the Bills are moving on to take on those dastardly Kansas City Chiefs who have ended the Bills season two out of their last three years, one of which, a couple years ago, in the divisional round, when the Bills probably had their best look at potentially advancing to the Super Bowl with how they were playing at the time of, of that game and what seemed like they were about to head to the AFC Championship game, but, uh, but as we all know, how that one turned out near the end of regulation, which went into overtime and then wound up becoming a Chiefs victory. But... Be it as it may, the Bills are advancing. They won their sixth straight game, um, five at the end of the regular season, and now this one to defeat the Steelers, move on past the number seven Steelers, and take on those Chiefs. So we've got plenty to get into, you know, some of the individual plays that made this one tick, and, you know, I probably won't get to, to it to a grand degree, but uh, I did take... Uh, I did uh, go throughout the locker room and talk to a bunch of guys about the Khalil Shakir uh, touchdown play, which was just ridiculous and probably uh, one of the best plays of Shakir's career. Certainly, you know, for when it happened in, in an NFL playoff setting. Um, and so that's over at The Athletic. If, if uh, you haven't read it yet, uh, I encourage it because there's some funny stuff in there from some of the guys in the locker room. But... Um, so there, there, you had some of those small individual performances, but there's also the big picture look at this whole thing and, and where it could all be heading and why it all kind of circles around the one guy that everyone knows it circles around, and that's Josh Allen. And he's the only place to begin this episode because when you think about the ceiling outcome. For the Bills. It always revolves around one player. And he him needing to be at the absolute top of his game 
when they are going through their postseason. Now, the I have sat here behind this microphone and and certainly writing the articles uh, since really the uh, after after they got back from their bye week. Why this is beginning to feel a lot like 2021 in the run that they've gone on. And that's a lot to do with how Josh Allen has kind of gotten into form here. Now, there has been some uh, some instances of where the Bills had to win in different ways in, in some of those regular season games, just like it did in 2021. But with how Allen showed up in this Steelers game in itself, it is a major marker for this organization and them fulfilling those those 2021 hopes and dreams when the Bills crushed the Patriots in the wild card round and then, as I said before, probably had as good of a look as winning in Kansas City in the playoffs as they could have wanted. And that was because Allen was simply unstoppable. And it wasn't quite the perfect game like it was against the Patriots a couple years ago. But this performance against the Steelers was a damn good one from, from Josh Allen. I mean, accounting for 77 or 277 yards of the team's 368 total yards. They did have a semblance of a run game, which is important to them to at least get that going a bit. But even with that said, this whole thing and them jumping out to a 21 to nothing lead early on in the game doesn't happen if Josh Allen isn't just absolutely feeling it. And there are a few instances throughout this game of of uh, Allen hitting on those flash plays. Like right after the George Pickens fumble, nailing uh, a throw to Dalton Kincaid in the end zone um, for a 29-yard touchdown to really just kind of break the spirit of the Steelers right then and there. And then coupling that later on in the first half with that 52-yard touchdown run, which there's really only one guy who can who can make that run in the NFL based on the physicality it took to do it, and that being Josh Allen. So putting those two huge plays, and there were some other like almost plays. Like there was a... Um, a play to, uh, I believe it was Kincaid in the end zone, where it really looked like um, the ball was on it, but the defender made a, a good play on it. That was another almost play. Um, but for me, a big piece of what makes Allen so dynamic, rather than, I mean, the flash plays are, are huge, don't get me wrong, because they accounted for two of the touchdowns. But when you have him just being consistent on the majority of his drives and being an efficient passer and having some answers to the test, do some plays not work? Sure, but he's he's not he wasn't making the mental errors that you know has has kind of been pointed out a lot from a national perspective about his turnovers or about his interceptions. And this is not to say that 
all of Josh Allen's interceptions were of his own doing to the point where he was critically putting the team in a bad spot. But I think when you analyze the entirety of his season, there were some times where he took some chances with the ball that he probably shouldn't have. But that has been slowly getting better or, or, you know, really over these past few games here where Allen is just kind of getting into a groove and finding the answers to the test and taking what the defense is giving him. And this is when he was at his most dynamic in 2021, which is why it is, you know, not eerily reminiscent because it wasn't the huge game against the Patriots like it was a couple years ago. But the reason why the Bills, at least to me, can beat anybody remaining in the playoffs. And I don't say that lightly. This is a Bills team that, you know, in this winning streak to get into the postseason and to secure the number two seed, defeated the very Chiefs team that they're going to be going up against on Sunday. The Ravens would be tough. The Texans might be a tough out based on how they played the Browns last week, but you know, if Josh Allen is playing the way he does, he can go toe-to-toe and, and beat either one of those teams if they were to advance. And then, of course, the NFC, we don't know how that's going to play out, but only one of those four teams, whether it be the Niners, the Lions, the, the Packers, or the Buccaneers, probably one of the Niners or the Lions, based on the way, you know, you would you would think it goes for home teams in the next round. But there is absolutely a case to be made where Allen can beat any single one of these teams if he is playing the way that he did against the Steelers. If he's playing the way that he did in really the last three quarters against the Dolphins. Like, it's very apparent that he is hitting his stride at the right time. And that should be a very exciting thing, not only for the Bills, but their fan base, because it just goes to show how much great quarterback play can make up for things. And I I bring this back to 2021 again, but not in in the sense that you're thinking, because... Of course, they lost, even though Allen was playing out of his mind. But the team that they lost to, the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes had an unbelievable game in that one. They didn't, the Chiefs didn't wind up winning the Super Bowl that year, mind you. They didn't even make it to the Super Bowl because they lost to the Bengals. But the way that Mahomes was able to help the Chiefs overcome some severe defensive injuries in the Bills game itself is evidence enough of how much this top-tier quarterback play, if you're getting it for your franchise, 
can put you over the top. Like the Bills were not injured on defense heading into that in, into that game all that much. I mean, they were all dealing with something, but the Bills were pretty healthy on, uh, from a defensive standpoint heading into that one. And they were undone down the stretch by the Chiefs and namely Patrick Mahomes getting down the field to tie the game. Of course, everything they did before that. And then winning the game in overtime. It all lends itself to the reason why, even though there are these bevy of injuries on defense that we will get to, And what the Bills do with each of those for this upcoming matchup if if each of those guys have to miss some time. And how much it will impact them and which of them will impact them the most. But what we see from the NFL in the postseason, more often than not, is not about defensive injuries undoing a team. If you have a great enough quarterback who is playing at the top of his game in the time of the postseason, that greatness can propel a franchise past these defensive votes. And I look at the, the last two teams the Bills have played. The Dolphins and the Steelers, both entirely banged up on the defensive side of the ball. But simply put, neither of those teams have the type of quarterback that can push a team over the top when they face all of these injuries and are in non-perfect condition. Like Tua Tungabailoa is better than Mason Rudolph by a lot. But Tua has also shown throughout the last couple of years that pretty close to perfect situations are needed for him to be able to thrive. There's still a spot for him to be a starter in the NFL and probably a a top 12 to 15 starter in the NFL. Maybe a little higher than that. But he has not shown to be the guy who can take over a game. Same thing with the Steelers. Steelers were entirely banged up on on defense. They didn't have their best player in T.J. Watt. Their linebackers were, they've gone through multiple injuries at that spot. Their quarterback play has not been good this year. They just got Minka Fitzpatrick back in this game. So they've been going through it. But not having that quarterback put them at a severe disadvantage throughout the entire game because they could not, they simply could not go toe-to-toe with Josh Allen, even though the Bills were facing their own defensive injuries. It's the difference between the replacement-level quarterback this week. Last week, it was the above-average-to-good quarterback against great quarterback play. 
And that's exactly what the Bills have gotten from Josh Allen the last two weeks. So I'm here to tell you that if Josh Allen is playing the way that he did against the Steelers, and even though it wasn't like a 350, 400-yard passing game, four touchdowns and 277 out of the team's 368 total yards, pretty damn good. Being a multi-purpose threat, making teams fear, blitzing and going into man-to-man coverage because of how he can just make a defense unravel like he did on that 52-yarder. And then on top of that, hitting both on the intermediate and deep levels of this game in addition to the the short stuff that he was hitting on, like, Allen was on it. So, the Bills have to be feeling very optimistic about their quarterback. And they need to figure some stuff out with their, their injuries, don't get me wrong, and we'll get there. But this is a great opening showing for them looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It always seemed like outside of like one or two drives in the first half even. When the Bills were at their at their best offensively, I thought. Bills were moving the ball pretty consistently. In the second half, it led to uh, their their second drive led to a a field goal, which you know wasn't their ideal outcome, but it was still putting up points. And then after that, once they got the ball back, it was basically. Shoring up the game, the game-winning drive with the with the touchdown to, to Khalil Shakir. All of this stuff adds up to where, you know, it wasn't really the Bills' best offensive showing. Like, they could have been a bit better. But it was still good enough for four touchdowns and 31 total points on a Steelers defense that has maybe played a bit above what their true potential is, but still a team that, a defense that has uh, played well as a unit. So Allen, to me, has yet again entered into that, that tier of players that can win a team a Super Bowl. Didn't think he really had it as much last year. The Miami game was a bad omen for what was to come because they they were messing about that game. And at times it even seemed like 
the Dolphins would do the unthinkable and win that uh, that wild card game, even though they were starting Skylar Thompson. So it was a bad sign of things to come. But this one against the Steelers can always kind of get a sense for it. And even despite those injuries, you have to feel like the Bills are in a good spot with how Josh Allen is playing. He is the key. I can't stress that enough. For the Bills to win this whole thing or even just get to the Super Bowl, it's got to be Allen. And right now, he is bringing it in the way that they need him to. Will it continue? We shall see. Got a much uh, much more difficult test. You know, going up against a Chiefs team that looked like they kind of found themselves on offense a little bit against the Dolphins on, on Saturday night. But also one that boasts a really good defense that the, the Bills were very cognizant of um, just a, about a month ago when they played them in Kansas City. So to be continued, of course, and we'll get more into the matchup as the week kind of goes on. But yeah, the the Bills have to be feeling really good about how Josh Allen performed in this game and what it could mean for them in the future. All right, let's get to injuries because I'm sure that's a big thing in the brain of everybody. And it wasn't pretty for the Bills in this one. I mean, making making the whole thing just kind of comical in a way is the fact that their punter wound up getting hurt on a play where he didn't even punt a field goal that was blocked to which he sprints down the field to try and make sure that the Steelers don't score and then looks looks like he pulled his hamstring along the same, same lines. He went back in the game and punted. I believe it was only one more time after that, but you could tell he was feeling it even when he was like walking back to the sidelines and and things along those lines. But obviously Sam Martin's not the headliner here. The Bills came into the game with injury stuff. They were without Tyrell Dotson. They're starting outside linebacker. They're starting cornerback Rasul Douglas. They're starting wide receiver Gabe Davis and they're starting safety Taylor Rapp. Now Gabe Davis is the only player from the offensive side of the ball that is dealing with an injury right now. Because the other four injuries that the Bills incurred in this game of guys that they lost for the remainder of the game were starting cornerback Christian Benford, starting middle linebacker Terrell Bernard, starting nickel corner Taron Johnson, and the guy who was starting in place of the already injured starter Tyrell Dodson, Balen Spector. So that is seven defensive injuries. Basically, six of which to two positions, cornerback and and linebacker, and then Taylor Rapp is safety. But that also impacts the cornerback position because, you know, if Taron Johnson, if he can't play, then that means, or if Taylor Rapp can't play, then that means Cam Lewis would have had to be the third safety. But if Taron Johnson can't play, then that means Cam Lewis would have to play nickel corner, which puts DeMar Hamlin into the lineup on on those dime situations. So it's just a a whole big mess. 
So we'll go through the the promising and the less so. I'll start off with I'll I'll start off with the the bad stuff and and kind of kind of work up. I mean, from what the injury seemed like with Terrell Bernard, it did not appear promising for him to make a a speedy return, like six days wise for this upcoming matchup against the Chiefs. After the game, he was spotted in a walking boot and on crutches. Um, X-rays reportedly came back negative, according to Ian Rappaport of NFL.com. So we'll see what the, um, the MRI reveals for Terrell Bernard. But very clearly, a humongous loss because of what is behind him. Because now the Bills are in a spot where they have to hope Tyrell Dodson is able to play against the Chiefs, or else it's A.J. Klein starting against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and that is not a situation they want to be in, which could wind up meaning that the Bills need to put up a bunch of points to to go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs. However, they have done pretty well this entire season of hiding those linebackers a bit. Like, Bernard has been above average to good, in my estimation. I think his season has been slightly overrated just based on the flash plays that that we've seen from him, whether it be sacks or scooping up fumbles or or interceptions. And he does deserve credit for being in those positions. But I think I might have mentioned this on either last episode or or the show before that, that Bernard to me is almost like the anti-Tremaine Edmonds in the sense that Tremaine Edmonds did all the consistent stuff and was pretty rock solid down in, down out, and lacked the flash plays, whereas Bernard brings the flash plays and isn't as consistent down in, down out for like getting off blocks or making the right reads and, and getting into the run lanes. Like there are times he does it, but it ha- it wasn't as consistent as what Tremaine Edmonds was uh, by the time he was into his final couple of seasons for the Bills. Even still, the drop off from him to the next is extreme. Because their play would probably be to start Tyrell Dotson at middle linebacker if he is healthy enough to play. And it seemed like he was kind of close, but we'll get there. But even with that, that means Tyrell Dotson, who is not a very good coverage linebacker, he was extreme. I I really liked the role that they had him in because it, it narrowed down his focus to early down stuff and took him off the field on ob- and more obvious passing situations to keep him away from that trouble that trouble what has troubled him in the past and that being coverage or getting um fooled by play action and things like that. He is very stop the run centric and He's carved out a nice little season for himself because of it. 
He's definitely been a much different player for them since uh, they narrowed his role to being like a an early down run stuffer linebacker. But as a middle linebacker, he would be out on the field all three downs. And that's where going up against a guy like Patrick Mahomes can get them into some trouble. Now, if it's not Tyrell Dodson, that means it's A.J. Klein, who is at this point in his career an even bigger liability in covers than Tyrell Dodson. It's, it's really not close either. I mean, for just to put it in perspective, AJ Klein has spent a couple of stints on the free agent market, not um, not signing with any team, and spent a few weeks after the Bills themselves cut him as a free agent, only to come back just a few days ago, and winds up playing a prominent role in this game. So that is the worst case scenario for the Bills if A.J. Klein has to start a middle linebacker. But something that they might need to be prepared to have happen. Now, I don't, uh, now I don't know exactly what the um, injury outlook for Balen Spector is, He suffered a back injury, and he kind of slides into this conversation as well because he was able to come back, I think, for a play or two or three maybe, um, but then wound up leaving the game after that. But what was evident, and we have seen kind of like the pecking order from, from this game, based on their linebacker depth chart, is that when it was A.J. Klein and, and Balen Spector, um, it was Balen Spector being the one who was taken out for uh, for those passing downs and A.J. Klein staying in the game. So that would indicate that Spector would be the outside linebacker and A.J. Klein would be the middle linebacker um, if the Bills were to be without both Dodson and Bernard. Very convoluted, I know. And if they were without Balen Specter, then that would mean Dorian Williams would uh, would enter the equation for uh, uh, for the Bills. And I actually thought Dorian Williams had a nice game against the Steelers, but it's a whole different story going up against Mason Rudolph and a very centralized run based operation in the Steelers versus Patrick Mahomes, who can make great linebackers look pedestrian. And that's kind of been Williams thing this year where he is. You can see there's a lot of potential there and you can see the, the raw athleticism, but sometimes he just gets himself out of position and he did a really nice job against the Steelers. He was reading his keys. He was on it in coverage he looked explosive again to um, to fire towards the ball. These are all the things that that you like to see from him. But there have been too many times this year, which is what has gotten him out of the lineup and really out of consideration past the likes of Dodson, Klein, and Specter. 
where teams can kind of take advantage of him to where he could be a liability. A high variance player is, is the best way I can I can describe Dorian Williams. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So a big old we'll see. But Tyrell Dotson seemed like he was at least close to being ready for this game. I asked Sean McDermott after the game how, uh, how just how close both he and Rasul Douglas were for, the, for this one. And McDermott said kind of tough to gauge, but said Dotson was probably closer to going. But the fact that they were both questionable and Dotson even got in a practice at the end of the week leads me to believe that there's at least a a uh, more than 50% chance that uh, Dotson will be able to play against the Chiefs. And they'll need him. Because that would at least push um, A.J. Klein out of an every-down roll. And that would probably push Dorian Williams out of a roll, regardless of what happens to Baylon Spector. Their best case would be having Dodson and Spectre in the lineup. You know, granted that Bernard can't go, which it seems likely in this, this case, but still, you know, that would be their best case. Bernard next to Spectre and keeping AJ Klein out of the lineup. And I would, if it were me, I would um, hope to keep Dorian Williams out of the lineup because I think Mahomes could expose him in a few ways. So that's the linebacker situation. Let's get the quarterback, huh? Because another convoluted one. Rasul Douglas was out with a knee injury. If I had to guess right now, I think he's probably back in the lineup next weekend against the Chiefs. That's just... I think... He probably thinks he's close. You know, you could kind of tell that he almost wanted to go back into the Dolphins game a little bit. Um, The Chiefs game, or I'm sorry, the Steelers game, he was listed as questionable, even though he didn't practice. Teams, I mean, we saw it with Gabe Davis and with Taylor Rapp. They would have just declared Rasul Douglas out if he wasn't at least close. So my guess is he gets some work in early in the practice week to see how it goes. And my guess is he's able to play against the Chiefs and they're going to need him. Because Christian Benford also suffered an injury and um, is dealing with a, a knee injury, did not return in this one. So at the very least, getting Rasul Douglas back to pair with Dane Jackson if Benford can't go would be a huge thing for uh, for the Bills this this coming week. They need Douglas. It is a gotta have it situation, and I think they understand that. And maybe 
they took a, a calculated gamble going up against a Steelers team that isn't exactly a great passing attack with Mason Rudolph and thought to themselves, okay, let's let's get Douglas a full week here, hope to advance, and then have him be as close to 100% as he can get heading into the Chiefs game. So like I said, my guess, Douglas plays. We'll see on Benford. Did not... Uh, he did not go back into the game after suffering his knee injury. But making it even more convoluted is the fact that Taron Johnson was evaluated for a head injury, uh, evaluated for a concussion, I should say, um, in the middle of that game, which forced Cam Lewis into the nickel corner. And if there is one player that I believe that the Bills can least afford to lose on that defense... As of right now, it is Taron Johnson because the drop-off from him and all of his responsibilities, not only in coverage, but in run defending and how well he fits those runs and how well he he siphons plays back inside and how well he reads things, how quickly he gets to places. Taron Johnson is one of the top nickel corners in the league. And going from him to Cam Lewis, and Cam Lewis is, has been fine, I mean... Average to slightly below average. It's just an extreme drop-off. So the Bills actually did not declare during or after the game whether or not Johnson was, in fact, in concussion protocol. So that will be a question for Sean McDermott on Tuesday. Regardless of that fact, they need him badly for this matchup. So they'll have to hope that maybe he avoided it or that he progresses quickly enough. But six days is a pretty quick track to get through concussion protocol. So um, we shall see on, on Taron Johnson. But that's one of those that they don't have him in addition to not having. I mean, because Taron Johnson's effectively a third linebacker on most plays. In addition to not having Terrell Bernard and possibly not having Tyrell Dotson or Balen Spector. That's a tough situation for the Bills. And one that they could even exploit with a guy like, uh, that the Chiefs could exploit with a guy like Isaiah Pacheco too. Big week for the linebackers slash nickel corner. I think that's, that's going to be one of the um, most telling in uh, injury positions that could dictate how this coming week could go. And then the other injuries, Gabe Davis was ruled out very early on. No idea whether or not he's going to be able to get back to this game, but he is, like I said, the only offensive injury they have. And then Taylor Rapp is another one, had a calf injury, it was ruled out um, on Friday, did not practice at all, just like Gabe Davis. Don't have a read on whether or not those two guys would be back in it. But at least for, in, in Rapp's case, Micah High, Jordan Poyer, both still healthy. Damar Hamlin, healthy, that can fill in on dime even if Taron Johnson can't play. So they're kind of covered there. And if Taron Johnson can play, then Cam Lewis will be in that dime look. And he did a, a pretty, a solid enough job of it against the Steelers. And as he has in the past. As for Gabe Davis, 
Khalil Shakir looks great. Again, getting a high snap roll. Trent Shurfield chipped in as more of a, a run blocker and more of the X receiver than anything. Wasn't, I don't even know if he was targeted. He was not targeted in this game. But they utilized him in that X receiver role quite a bit. Sometimes they did with Shakir. Sometimes, very rarely, they went 12 personnel. But they actually went a lot of 12 personnel with David Edwards in this game as the sixth offensive lineman. So that's kind of how they made up for the loss of Gabe Davis. But even still, Khalil Shakir making some big plays. Same thing with Kincaid. They could probably get by without Gabe Davis next week, but, you know, I'm sure they would like to have a all hands on deck on offensive situation, especially if they're to be without some a handful of defensive pieces too. So lots to, uh, to think about from an injury perspective. That's, and that's not even to mention the punter that they might need to sign a practice squad punter and then make him be a uh, practice squad elevation next week. It's tough, especially when you're dealing with eight other injuries in Benford, Bernard, Spectre, Taron Johnson, Tyrell Dotson, Rasul Douglas, Gabe Davis, and Taylor Rapp. So it will be a very interesting Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at practice at One Bills Drive. All right, let's get to some awards, shall we? Uh, got five awards that we hand out after every single game. The first one, Goes to the Dree Archer Award for the player that did not show up at all in the game. Give it to Tyler Bass. He made one field goal, I know, but had one blocked, and the last field goal attempt was bad. Um, this has been not this has not been Bass's best season. It's been a bit inconsistent. Sean McDermott said he has. Faith and and confidence in Tyler Bass, but you know he you could tell he was definitely a bit concerned about some of the uh, the kicking game woes with with what's happening with Tyler Bass, and I do wonder if that impacts any of his decision making in a game like next week against the Chiefs, where you know the Chiefs are always liable to to pick things up offensively the way that they did against the Dolphins. So Dree Archer Award for the player that did not show up at all in the game to Tyler Bass. Vontae Davis Award for the player that did not show up in the second half. I give that to Andy Isabella because he did not take a single offensive snap in the second half. So pretty easy one for me. Matt Barkley Award for the player that caught you by surprise for a good reason. I'll give that to Dorian Williams. I I said it a little bit earlier in the episode. I thought we saw the um, the ceiling or not the ceiling. Uh, that would mean he's playing at the highest possible level. But uh, we see the potential and the flash plays of why they like Dorian Williams and why they were, you know, considering giving him the full-time starting outside linebacker job once Matt Milano went down with his season-ending injury. We saw some explosive plays, some good tackles, uh, saw him, you know, be on it in coverage, which has been at some, some points a weak spot for him. So I'll give uh, I'll give Dorian Williams the Matt Barkley Award for the player that caught you by surprise for a good reason. 
The Blaine Gabbard Award for Perseverance has got to go to Khalil Shakir on, on that uh, touchdown. I mean, like I, like I said near the early part of the show, I wrote a full article with some quotes from guys, but for him to catch the ball, go zero gravity turn, to avoid a tackle from a really, really good NFL player in Minka Fitzpatrick, one of the best safeties in the league, then to get up, Full speed, give a little stutter step to a linebacker to get past him, and then to get into the end zone. Like, that's that's an all-world type of play in the playoffs, and one that, that people won't be forgetting for a while. So, Khalil Shakir kind of had his moment, his playoff moment. Uh, we'll see if he can have more of those as the playoffs go on. But uh, the Blaine Gabbard Award for Perseverance goes for a guy who was basically tackled and then winds up going 17 yards for the touchdown to put put the game on ice and give the Bills a 31-17 lead. And then the gotta watch the tape award, I'll give it to Von Miller. And not for the reason that you think, because, you know, he was basically invisible for most of the game. But on the final eight snaps... The Bills had Von Miller on the field as their left defensive end. I think they saw it as a very clear opportunity to help try and jumpstart Von Miller because it has not gone well for him and the flashes have not been there all that much. But But seeing that it was the end of the game and the Steelers had a... A bigger, but a bit slower of a rookie right tackle. They probably viewed that as an opportunity to maybe jumpstart Von Miller a little bit. And he actually responded. This was probably his best, you know, three or four play stretch that I've seen from him this season. And again, kind of in garbage time, but still. Even if that can be the catalyst, he looked more explosive than I've seen from him. Was a little bit more varying in his moves, a little bit more successful in his moves. I'm not saying it's the sign of him becoming that same guy as he was before the injury. But he had a couple of pressures, a couple of uh, hits on the quarterback, two almost sacks. It was the most encouraging stretch of plays that I have seen from Von Miller all season. But got to watch the tape to see if it was as good as as I was thinking and if maybe he got washed out on those other plays. So got to watch the tape award to Von Miller. All right. So I think that's going to do it for me. The Bills have a short week. Um, They'll get back to it uh, and probably hit the film room on Tuesday, followed by... A Wednesday walkthrough, which is what they have been doing uh, the last few weeks now. Thursday practice, Friday practice, Saturday, uh, they will have a bit of a walkthrough and making final preparations. And of course, Sunday evening will be the game right here at Highmark Stadium. And we will see if the Bills, in the middle of their Super Bowl window, perhaps possibly being at the end of it with some some of their uh, older guys 
be coming out of contract and and getting a a year older. This could be one of their their best cracks at it this year and perhaps their best crack at it with this type of roster for a while. So we shall see. They are playing well offensively. Josh Allen is playing well. And if they can just eke out a victory at home over the Chiefs, a place where the Bills have only lost once this season to the Denver Broncos, and that was in the last minutes of the game, then the Bills very well could be going to the AFC Championship game, whether it be hosting against the Texans or heading to Baltimore to take on the Ravens with the uh, the rights to go to the Super Bowl on the line. But that's getting ahead of things because the Bills have to beat the Chiefs first. And they have not been able to do that in the playoffs since Sean McDermott has been the head coach. You know, no storylines or anything in this one. Yeah, not, nothing like that. So, uh, that is where I will leave you. The Bills... On to the divisional round once again after the 31-17 victory over the Steelers. My name is Joe Biscalia. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out for a little bit. And we will talk to you later in the week for the preview pod. See you then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.